I appreciate you all um, braving the, the weather to get out here this morning. Um, we're, in, we're in Mark chapter 13 today, and it's, uh, it's a chapter that uh, covers the, uh, the, the topic of the second coming of, of Christ. And uh, I remember back in the 70s, during my high school days, uh, this, this, was a, this was a big thing to talk about. Um, you know, Jesus is coming soon. And um, my, my very first sermon ever, uh, I, was, I was in the youth group, and we had, we had a youth Sunday service. So the, the youth did everything. You know, all the, all the old folks got, got, a, got a break that day. In fact, everybody got a break because I preached. And uh, this is what I preached about. I preached about uh, Jesus is, is coming soon. I don't think it was a very good sermon, but I think the, the people were glad that I did it because uh, the sermon only lasted about five minutes. I'm, I'm sure to everybody's relief. Um, anyway, I felt you know I felt the urgent need to uh, to talk about this, the urgent need about Jesus coming, and uh, you know today it, it's still a message of, of urgency, and uh, you know the, the title of this sermon is "Be Ready." We we need to be ready, need to be ready, and. Um, since we're in Mark, you know, think about it. Over the last couple jap- chapters, ever since uh, Jesus' activity or his his entrance into uh, Jerusalem, the activity has has centered around the uh, the temple. You know, Jesus came in the temple initially and observed what was happening. He he drove out the money changers. You know, made made the point that uh, God's house would be called a house of prayer. He rebuked. The people he was, you know, he, he was challenged when he would go into the temple. Uh, he he taught in the temple about uh, God's love towards man and our our love towards towards Him, towards God and and uh, others. And now in chapter thirteen, uh, he goes out and he um, goes to the Mount of Olives, which is which is near Jerusalem. He kind of overlooks Jerusalem, and he takes four disciples with him. And uh, they they sit down and you know what it's like when you you're kind of up on a mountain. I was I was thinking of uh, Danny and Gretchen and the the great view they have from from their place. And you can you can sit out. They've got this little uh, uh, seat, kind of a swing thing. You you can sit there and just look out over the valley, and it's just beautiful. It's it's very um, nice just to just to see. I I, I envy their view, but uh, the the disciples are looking down and they they see the temple and uh yeah they comment on what a magnificent uh, structure this is you know what a what a beautiful thing to to behold and you know Jesus is Jesus uses this as a, a starting point for his discussion and he gives the disciples a a, a glimpse of what is going to happen in the future not only the the near future but to the end times, and really to do this passage justice, we would need to um, spend quite a bit of time with it, study it along with with several other passages from several other books, uh, books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, 
uh, Joel, Zechariah, uh, Romans, Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, Second Peter, Revelation. Uh, we're we're not going to go into that that kind of depth though. So so please forgive me. We'll do a more thorough study at a, at a later time. This will be an introduction, and uh, what I'd like to focus on are the three things that that Jesus gave as as commands during this discussion. Three things that he that he tells the disciples. The things three that he tells us to do. Read with me in uh, Mark chapter thirteen in your Bibles. Uh, we'll we'll start with verses one through eight. We're going to go through the whole chapter today. So, Mark 13, starting verse 1. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be one left, or there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, uh, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things will be, are about to be accomplished? And Jesus said to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, And kingdom against kingdom, there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now let's let's pray, Uh, Lord, as we uh, as we open up your Word. I I pray, Lord, that you would give us uh, insight from from the Holy Spirit, illuminate your Scripture, Lord, and and I just pray that you would uh, motivate us to. uh, Live in a way that is is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this this passage, uh, along with parallel passages in uh, Matthew and Luke, it's called the Olivet Discourse. Because it's on the Mount of Olives and and Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And... um, You know, the the meaning of... of, uh, Many of the details of, of these passages is up to debate. You know, Mark's, Mark's account is, is the briefest. Uh, you know, for 2,000 years, uh, Christian scholars have been debating what some of this means. Uh, some, of, some have used this, along with other passages, to try to pinpoint with, with accuracy even to the day when Jesus would return. And, uh, well, guess what? All these predictions have proven wrong. You know, it's because, really, they tried to prove Jesus wrong because Jesus said, no no one knows the, the day or, or the hour. Anyway, uh, there's, there's a couple things that we do know, though. First, we know that Jesus will return. There's, there's no doubt about that. He will return to earth. And we also know that uh, his return is one day, one day closer than it was yesterday. 
You know, each each day it, it it it's it's closer, and Jesus can come back. He may he may come back at any time. He may come back right now. He may come back tonight or tomorrow. Meanwhile, he's giving us some instruction on how to live our lives. First of all, uh, of the three commands is that Jesus says, "Don't be deceived." Don't be deceived. Don't let anyone lead you astray. And as I've, I've mentioned, many people have erred. Many people have been deceived about uh, Jesus' second coming. You know, several cults have sprung up over the years. Cults which uh, really, really centered and, and focused on, on end times teaching and uh, some have even claimed that, that Jesus has already returned. Uh, back in the 1800s, there was a group called the uh, the Shakers. You may have heard of them. Their leader, Ann Lee, uh, she had a vision in which she it was revealed to her that she was Jesus. She was Jesus' second coming. You know, she was Jesus returned. And that she was the... the female component of what she got called God the Father Mother. Uh, this was in the 1800s. The Shakers required strict celibacy. They forbade marriage and having children. And guess what? They died out. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Thank, thank goodness, huh? You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they teach that the second coming occurred in 1914. It was spiritual and invisible, they say. And there, there was, there was a uh, Baptist minister, his, his last name was Miller, I think. I forget his first name. But he, the, the, his followers were called the Millerites. And he uh, he got into the scriptures and figured out he, he made calculations and he he predicted the day Jesus would return back in the 1800s. Well, uh, Jesus didn't come back on that day. As I said, oh, I, I made a mistake. Uh, and then he re-predicted and, and Jesus didn't come back on that day. And uh, the... Uh, it was kind of a crisis of faith for a lot of people who, you know, he had amassed a great following. It was, it was called the Great Disappointment. And a lot of people left the, uh, the movement. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses came from that Millerite movement, along with several other uh, sects. And they've decided that Jesus uh, came in 1914, spiritually and visibly. People have always been fascinated by this topic. It's, it is a fascinating discussion. It's a fascinating thing to, to speculate on what might happen in the future. You know, and even well-meaning and well-respected uh, Christian leaders have, have been discredited because of their failed predictions. Uh, I remember when we were living in Montana back in the uh, mid-2000s. Um, one day after church, we all went out to the parking lot and found these flyers on our windshields with a prediction. Jesus is going to return on such and such day. I think the guy's name was Harold Camping. Uh, 
he's wrong. He was discredited. There was a, there was a book in the 70s, and I bet you most of us have read it, Late Great Planet Earth. I read it. We went through it in a youth group uh, back, back in the 70s. Uh, but in that book, the author predicted that the second coming would happen no later than 1988. Uh, this was this was based on uh, an interpretation of uh, verses 28 and 30 of Mark 13 uh, about the fig tree, which he said, okay, the fig tree represents Israel. The leaves on the fig tree represent the uh, the rebirth of Israel, uh, which came became a nation in 1948. Well, a, a, a generation is 40 years, so that gives Jesus until 1988 to return. He didn't. Uh, some denominations uh, took a hold of that and made those same predictions. Some some very well-known and respected denominations that, that we've even been a part of. Um, it was wrong, though. A lot of people get swept up into this. That's the, that's the point. And that's the point that Jesus is making. Don't be deceived. This is the kind of thing Jesus was warning about. He said, we're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Have we heard of wars and rumors of wars lately? You know, for a couple thousand years, we've heard of wars and rumors of wars. He said there's going to be earthquakes and, and famines. If we had, there's earthquakes and famines happening right now, this, this day. And there have been for millennia. But Jesus says, you know what, that's, that's the beginning of the birth pangs. Um, Jesus has not returned. You know, the, the birth pangs. I remember when, uh, when Chris was pregnant with our first child. And she doesn't like me using her as an example, but I, I've got I've to do this. Sorry, Chris. But we got excited when she started having contractions. And so the, the hospital was uh, in, in Bremerton. We lived in Tacoma, so it was kind of a, kind of a long drive for us. And, uh, but, we, boy, we were excited. We were going to have the baby that night. Well, we got there and found out these were just Braxton Hicks contractions. It was, it was kind of a, a false labor. Okay, well, they sent us back home. And this kept happening. I don't remember how many times it was. It seemed like it happened a few times, though. You know, the birth pangs. That's what Jesus is saying. When she actually did go into labor for reals, realsies, um, I didn't believe her. I told her to go back to sleep. It was like 3 in the morning. <laughs> and I had no sense of urgency. We stopped for donuts on the way, you know. <laughs> And it was okay, you know, there, we, we still had several hours in the hospital before, before the birth actually happened. <laughs> anyway, the, the same thing can happen to us when we, when we talk about Jesus' second coming. You know, our, I, think, I think our senses have been dulled by so many failed predictions and I think the result has been that um, many pastors don't even choose to, to teach on this. 
You know, what what I like about going through every verse of a a book of the Bible is we don't skip things. So Jesus told us not to be deceived, okay? We need to have good discernment. We need to know the word. We need to know what Jesus said. We need to know that he is coming. You know, the Bible makes it crystal clear that Jesus is returning. We should not be surprised at what's going to happen. We shouldn't be surprised right now when we face opposition. We should not be surprised when things that happen, which Jesus spoke about, do happen. We need to not have our senses dull. Jesus tells us, number two, be on guard. Be on guard. Let's continue with verse 9. Verse 9, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you're going to say. But whatever is given you in that hour, or but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing there, they're standing where he ought not be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down or enter his house nor take anything out. And let the, let the one who is in the field not turn back and take his cloak. For alas, the women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infant in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human will be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I've told you all things beforehand, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, from the fig tree Learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. See also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. 
Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things, all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You know, Jesus begins this section with these words, be on guard. And uh, he, he repeats the same words, be on guard, in, in verse 23. Be on guard. I've told you these things beforehand. And, uh, you know, this, this passage is, is kind of tricky. Uh, some, of this, some of this stuff has already been fulfilled with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the, uh, the year uh, 70 A.D., the uh, the Jews and the Christians were scattered from Jerusalem. Uh, you know, this is um, there's there's several dimensions to this prophecy. You know, first the immediate uh, future. You know, he, he says the temple is going to be destroyed. And he talks about the uh, abomination of desolation, and that's that comes from the book of Daniel. And uh, the the abomination of desolation it, it, from this refers to to a person. This is going to be the uh, the man of lawlessness who who John talks about. Yeah, you know, when the even even before Jesus, uh, about two hundred eight two hundred BC, have you you heard of? Uh, Antioch Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes, he was a Roman who desolated the temple. He, he uh, brought a statue of Zeus, required the people to, to worship Zeus. He sacrificed pigs in, in the temple. You know, that was what, re, that was what uh, brought on the uh, Maccabean revolt. Um. The Romans destroyed the temple in AD seventy. You know we're gonna we're, we're gonna see that this this stuff has some of this stuff has happened on on one level already, but it also points to the the end times, the uh, the immediate fulfillment is is really a, a shadow of the ultimate fulfillment. Uh, the, the church faced in the first century horrible persecution. Uh, you know, many many Christians right now in this world are suffering horrible persecution. You know, in countries where these things are happening, you know, sons uh, turning in their fathers, fathers going against their sons. Families split, people be, being killed for the uh, the sake of the gospel. You know, we, and we we know this is going to continue. It's going to continue to the end. So it's you know it's hard for us to it's, it's hard for us to imagine what it's like for these brothers and sisters. You know, we need to we need to pray for the persecuted church. We need to pray that they'll rely on the the power and the the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the strength of the Holy Spirit. You know, to give them the the right words when they're needed. Um, you know, when Ju- when Jerusalem was overrun by the Romans in eighty seventy, people fled. They were scattered. Many were murdered. You know, Jesus predicted this. Uh, 
But again, this is a shadow of the, the tribulation, the great tribulation, which is yet to come. There were... There was no shortage of, of false prophets. There's still no shortage of false prophets, just as Jesus prophesied. You know, the Apostle John in, in 1 John says that even in his day, many antichrists have already come. Remember when we went through that? You know, we, we still have antichrists. We still have false prophets. And many of today's false prophets are prophesying false things about the end times. There are cults, there are wolves in sheep's clothing who, who have made these claims that we talked about. He talks about some amazing and, and catastrophic things happening in, in the sky. He talks about the moon and the stars. Um, I, get, I get an email. I don't know why they send me these emails. Somebody, somebody must have given them my name, but it's a, it's a prophecy organization which whenever there's a a blood moon or planetary alignment or anything happening in the skies you know this is it this is it jesus is coming right away uh that article right above the one where they're trying to sell me uh gold or um you know food kits to to survive and and you know it's it's a money making endeavor for for this website You know, Jesus talks about this. There, there's so many speculations, you know, and, and we need to be on guard. There, there, there are a host of books that have been written about this, and, you know, I'm sure most of them are um, wrong or, or at least have very limited value. Uh, many of us have read the books. We've seen the videos. Um, God seems to have... A way, though, of, of, of for now shrouding this in, in mystery. And I think he has his reasons. So Jesus says, don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. Be on guard. Third, he tells us to stay awake. Stay awake. And, and I mentioned earlier, you know, that what, what, what tends to happen is we become dulled to the urgency, and we must not do that. Let's, let's continue in verse 32. Concerning that day or, or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. <laughs> For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you all is, stay awake. You notice how many times he said, stay awake? Those words appear four times in, the, in those few verses. You know, the thing is, none of us knows when, when Jesus is going to return. You know, it's an amazing statement what he says here. You know, the angels don't know. We don't know. He said even he didn't know then at that point. Um, 
You know, we, we sometimes tend to forget when Jesus came, he took on human flesh and he took on human frailties. You know, he, there were, he willingly laid down some of the divine prerogative. He, he was not omnipresent. He could only be one place at a time since he was in a, a human body of flesh. And he even claims here that, his, that he had laid down his, his omniscience says the son doesn't know. Uh, You know, he was able to do, though, in that man body, that human body, some amazing things uh, through the Holy Spirit who led him, who, who came upon him, who filled him. You know, he lived a life of prayer to the Father. But, he, but it says in the Bible that he emptied himself. He became a servant. Paul talks about this in Philippians Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Um, Jesus is is no longer limited. He's no longer restricted to the the frailties and the weakness of, of being in a human body. You know, he he has full knowledge. He he has those attributes that for a, a short while he, he laid aside. But we're limited. We're limited. We don't know. But we will when it happens. Um, you know, we just... We just talked about Jesus coming as as an infant a couple weeks ago, you know, being born in a, in a manger, and uh, you know the people who were the uh, the major Bible scholars at the time didn't recognize him. You know, we're so walking with God of Anna and Simeon, who were so walking with God at the time that they knew this was the Messiah, just as. Mary and Joseph entered the, the temple with, with this baby. You know, that, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. But the experts, they didn't, they didn't understand. They didn't understand the prophecies that, that had been given. Um, it's easy for us after the fact to understand those prophecies and be able to say, oh, yeah, Bethlehem. Oh yeah, John the Baptist. You know all these all these things had been prophesied, but these people had studied the prophecies. Uh, they tried to link the things together, uh, but they were they were inhibited by their preconceptions of who the Messiah would be and what he'd do. Uh, part of it was driven by the the current 
you know, the circumstances that were that were current at the time. You know, Israel had gone through a lot of upheaval and oppression. Um, you know, they they had been taken captive several hundred years earlier and and restored, but then the occupying force of the Roman Empire made life very difficult. They were looking for a Messiah who would come and rescue them politically to conquer their opponents, to vindicate them against these oppressors. And uh, most of them missed the Messiah because, you know, he, he didn't come in the same way that they expected. So, you know, even Jesus' own disciples, remember, had a hard time seeing him for who he was. You know, it took quite a while for Peter or any of them to confess, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. And, uh, you know, the prophecies only made sense once the event had taken place and, and Jesus had talked with a couple of them. Remember on the road to Emmaus, how he started with the uh, the law and the prophets and explained how that Old Testament, all this was speaking of him. He talked to the... Uh, the religious leaders and say you and said you you know you study the scriptures because you think in them you have life but they talk about me but they didn't understand that at the time and i think that's how it's going to be with a lot of these prophecies about the uh, the second advent you know it's i think it's good for us to know the scriptures to to attempt to, to the best of our ability to harmonize the scriptures and do what we can to ascertain what God is trying to tell us. But I, I do think that we still see darkly, as Paul says. It will be revealed to us, though. Um, sometimes things in prophecy can seem cloudy and, and murky until they've taken place. Now, having said that, there are a lot of things we do know, a lot of things. Let me, let me go through a list. Here are some things we do know. These are things that the church has always believed and taught. First of all, number one, Jesus Christ is coming back as judge and king. He's coming back in glory. He came the first time in, in weakness and frailty, but the next time when he comes back, it's going to be in power, and glory, and judgment. He's coming back as the judge and the king. Number two, we know this for sure. Nobody knows when he's going to return. Nobody knows the day or the hour. We don't, we don't know the time, nor do we know the season, it says, Jesus said. Now somebody, somebody told me a couple years back, Oh, no, we don't know the time, but we do know the season. You know, we can, we can know the season by uh, examining Scripture and comparing that against current events. No, we can't. Jesus said we, we do not know the time or the season. Number three, God will redeem our bodies through physical resurrection. Number four, God will utterly eradicate sin and suffering, and death. These are things that give us great 
hope, great comfort, great confidence in, in our, our God who loves us. Number five, we, we all must give account. Give an account for our lives before God. You know, it, it, it matters how we live. It matters what we say. It matters how we think. We're all going to give account. Number six, all of God's plans and promises will be fulfilled. Number seven, Christ's kingdom will endure forever. How's that for a list? Though there's a lot of things we don't understand with with ultra clarity, we have clarity on these things. These are the things that matter because these are the things that determine how I live today. Have you ever wondered why God has shrouded this in mystery? How, why, he, why doesn't he tell us? Why didn't he tell us? I'm, I'm coming back on uh, January 14th, 2224, say. Don't, don't quote me on that because that's, this is hypothetical. You know, would we would we have a sense of urgency, knowing that it's it's we've still got two hundred years? No, Jesus says, stay awake, be on guard. You know, be be alert. He might come any time. Um, I think we would tend to sleep. I think we would tend maybe to be complacent if, if we knew for sure that Jesus is not coming back in any of our lifetimes or our children or our grandchildren. Now, how about if, how about if we knew it was April 14th, 2024? That's, that gives us three months. Three months from now. What, what would happen? I, I would I would surmise that what would happen is people would max out their credit cards. People would people would quit going to work. Things would fall apart. There would be utter chaos as as people said, "Well, we better do what we can to eat, drink, and be merry for you know to, three months from now is is the end." I think God has his reasons for uh, not telling us exactly when he's coming. Here's the thing, you know, if, if, here's how we need to live. We need to live as if we are expecting Jesus to come tomorrow. But we need to plan as if he's coming later, outside of our lifetimes. So ex- expect him to come, plan on it taking longer than that. Does that make sense? We need to be ready, but we need to be patient. You know, the, uh, the Christians in the first century believed with conviction and passion that Jesus was coming back within their lifetimes. You know, they, they, they believed that Jesus would come at any time, and they were right. Jesus could have come. Jesus is coming back at any time. But they also knew it would be a while. The Apostle Paul, when he, when he wrote to Timothy... You know, Paul 
Paul is expecting Jesus at any time, but yet he told Timothy, when you come, bring my coat, bring my books. You know, if, if, if he's expecting Jesus tomorrow, he probably wouldn't have made that request. You know, but he knew there was a good chance he was going to need his coat and his books in the, in the future. So, we need to be ready. We need to be expectant. But who knows? It, could, it can be a while. Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit to say something, I think, which really uh, gives us insight in, into this thought. First Peter 3, 8 through 13, Peter says, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. God is patient. Uh, he's, he's a lot more patient than I am. A lot more patient than, than any of us are. You know, he, he delays because he loves. He delays because he does not want anybody to perish. You know, he wants all to come to repentance and uh, faith in, in Jesus for salvation. But he says that day will come like a thief. To God, a, a day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. It's not as relevant to him as it is to us how long it takes. So verse 10 of Mark chapter 13, Jesus says the, the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. You know, this passage in Peter talks about us hastening the return of, of Jesus, the hastening of the coming day of God. Um, that's amazing. We can hasten the day of the Lord. How is that? By hastening the work of getting the gospel proclaimed to the world. You know, this, this should never surprise us. Remember what the disciples asked Jesus uh, right before he ascended in Acts 1, verses 7 through 8. He said, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know that as the Great Commission. You know, we... We, we should consider ourselves to be an Acts 1-8 family, you know, working to be his witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit, starting right here in, in our community in Chihuahua, Washington, and spreading out to Washington, the United States, and to the rest of the world. So, 
Three commands. Three commands here. Don't be deceived. Why do he say this? You know, because there's, there's a danger that we will be deceived. We are easily fooled, easily led astray. We need to know God's word. We need to know that he is a God of promise and that uh, the things he says will take place. Things will happen. People will come on the scene making false promises, but he says, don't fall for it. Don't, let, don't be led astray. He says, be on guard. You know, times will be hard. Persecution will come. Don't be surprised when, when this happens. Heaven and earth will pass away. But, you know, God, the, the eternal, sovereign, all-powerful God, he's, he's in charge. You know, this, this is temporary. Remember, Peter talked about that. He said, you know, this, any suffering that we're encountering right now is just for a time, just for a time. But Christ's word will remain forever. He was in the beginning with, with God, you know, coexistent eternally with the Father. He said, stay awake. Stay awake. This is, this is what we need to really take to heart. Be alert. Stay awake. You know, how, how is our walk with God today? Are we awake? You know, if, if, if Jesus would, would come tonight, would you be ashamed? Would he be able to call you a good and faithful servant? You know, or are you willing, are we willing to, to be accountable for our, our thoughts and our, and our actions? You know, would, would he be pleased by the way I live, by the way you live? Um, you know, we, we need to take these matters seriously because Jesus is coming soon. He can return at any time. And uh, even, even if he does delay, each of us is going to encounter our, our own personal end of the world, right? In death. So one way or another, uh, we, we need to really take this to the heart. Be ready. Be ready. He's coming soon. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, we know the world is passing away. We know, Lord, that uh, you are sovereign. Your, your word is eternal. It's forever. Uh, Lord, I, I just pray that... Uh, you would help us to, to walk with you, to, to live faithfully uh, every day, every moment, so that we are ready, Lord. Lord, guard our hearts and our minds. Protect us from those who would uh, mislead us. I pray, Lord, that you would put a, a hedge of protection around each person here today. Come quickly. Lord Jesus, amen.